My name's Bobby. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to BS with Bobby and Sarah, the podcast telling you stories and trivia you didn't even know you wanted to know about. This is episode 32. And today, BS is going to stand for Below Seas and Beyond Space. Beyond Space. I like that one better. Well, it's both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Because today we are going to be exploring such topics as the lost island that's not Atlantis, how not to get lost in the woods when you go on a hike Mm -hmm. or a stroll, Mm -hmm. and the most terrifying place in the Pacific Ocean. And then afterwards is the game portion of the show. Sarah, tell us what it's going to be about today. It's going to be a little bit on the theme of discoveries and things that have been discovered. All right. So stay tuned for that. The first thing I wanted to talk about today is the fact that I share my surname with a European city. Yes, you do. And some people share their names with a profession like Smith or Baker (laughs) or or Candlestick Maker. I think that one's Dutch. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Some people share their names with colors. So, Sarah, can you think of someone with a color as a last name? Yeah. Gray, um, white, brown. No, I'm not asking you to list colors. I'm asking you to mention people's names. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Sarah Sarah has passed kindergarten, everyone. (laughs) This is why I don't pass tests, because I don't understand the question. (laughs) Maybe I worded it wrong, but okay, Sarah, can you name a celebrity artist or musician with a color as a last name? Macy Gray. Um, Very good. I also came up with Betty White, Jack Black. Yeah. And then there's some people that might have random names that just don't mean anything, like George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Like, what the heck is a Clooney? Yeah, what the heck is a Clooney? That's just and, and that's not a name you hear often, too, like Clooney. No. But I digress. My last name is the same as a mid-range size European city. And I think that's not a pure coincidence because uh, 23andMe has confirmed that I got none of that viking blood inside me oh you can't be a viking so that's right you guessed it my name is bobby stockholm (laughs) (laughs) you thought the bs in bs with bobby and sarah stood for what bullshite Mm -hmm. well in reality i just stuck my name in there twice (laughs) bobby stockholm with bobby and sarah (laughs) and that's why i'm still here because i am suffering from that syndrome Very good, Stockholm (laughs) Syndrome. But ever since I was a kid and discovered that city on a map, Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, I want to go there. I want to pretend like I'm from a long line of descendants of the town because I was such so dumb as a kid. We all know that's how places get named, like (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. London. Oh, lovely people. I know them. I told you I was such a dumb kid, so I would have been like, hmm, yes, forget your mayor. I am basically the ruler of this town now. (laughs) I claim it by my birthright and my namesake. It kind of should be. If you have the last name as a city, you should just like automatically get like the key to the city or whatever special things happen. Well, that leads me into my story. Flash forward to now where no one's been able to travel internationally. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hey, let me reach out to them and see what they can do for me to send a slice of their country my way. I'm not asking for the key to City Hall. <laughs> How about a chunk of land? I love knickknacks and souvenirs. Mm-hmm. So like mail me a desktop flag or a pin with a city name or whatever else they like up that way, like salted black licorice. <laughs> <laughs> Send it my way. So this past week, I trolled through the official government website <laughs> and ended up getting email addresses to a bunch of different <gasps> places like... The embassy in Washington, D.C. Oh, Bobby. Their consulate in 
New York City. I even reached out and emailed the Ministry of Culture and the Department for Culture Protocol because I was thinking, hey, whoa, if you if y'all are in charge of culture for your country, send some of it my way. Yeah. Did you tell them that you have a podcast and that you would promote their town so people know that it exists? No, I was actually afraid that that might encourage them to just immediately hit de- delete. <laughs> <laughs> this was five days ago now, and I've only gotten one response, which just came in yesterday, Ooh. and I haven't read it yet. So oh my now, live in this moment, <gasps> I will reveal what the embassy has replied to, which honestly might be a big old goose egg of a bummer. Bummer sauce. Oh, gosh, I hope it's awesome. <laughs> Maybe they just emailed you like a PDF of like their letterhead. (laughs) Because I mean, it, come on, it's a random dude speaking to official government employees being like, hey, I have same name as your city. Give me stuff. Give me, give me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Americans. Of course. Yeah, exactly. But in my email, I just have to preface it with, I did word it much more smoothly, crafting a much better story. Okay. Oh. And reasoning. Are you going to read that story, that email? No, that's way too long. Okay. Okay, but so let me you, just tell so you. So you put some thought it into it. It was good. Okay, awesome. Uh, so well, what'd they what? say? What'd they say? What'd they say? I got an email from the embassy saying, thank you for your email. What a great name to have. <gasps> I would agree with that, actually. <laughs> she said, unfortunately, we don't have any souvenirs available at the embassy. Aww. I mean, that makes sense. We also run out of flags and have decided not to reorder. Oh. Are you kidding me? Aww. That is garbage i mean they're like one of the richest countries in europe and i can't believe they anyway we do however have a tourist brochure with map attached inside i am mostly working from home at the moment but i will try to get this to you as soon as possible so it's not even in the attachment but they're going to hopefully send me a brochure bobby that is really sweet actually they're sending you something i know i look forward to that that is pretty awesome so i knew it was a gamble (laughs) and i didn't actually even expect any word back Mm -hmm. but i'm going to keep trying if only for you know the the podcast content (laughs) because my next step is to handwrite letters to the city's tourism board oh because if you think about it previously this was all government stuff Mm -hmm. that i reached out to right i gotta go directly to the people trying to sell their city on the world stage (gasps) see if i get any results from that i think they'll definitely you'll i'm sure you're gonna get a hoodie at least i don't know if they have swag over there like in america oh swag like if you go to that that would be an option not to have swag (laughs) if you go to the university of berlin like are there hoodies and you know sweatpants that say university of berlin i don't think that's as prevalent in in europe as it is in (laughs) in america i'm like a little bit sad about that but you're having foam fingers and and penance (laughs) that's true because i mean the reason that they do that here is you know for money and and i think a lot of it has to do with sporting culture oh that's true too okay so yeah i went all like mean about it but money 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 (laughs) money 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 that's true yeah sports a lot of sport culture so, listeners, stay tuned to see if I get a huge care package of souvenirs from the homeland or if they'll even bother with a postcard or just flat out <laughs> ignore who I can only assume they think is a crazy person with too much time on their hands. And oh, that's no. hashtag guilty. <laughs> so that's all I have to say about that. Nice product. Bobby, when you go hiking, do you take like the the... The road less the traveled. The road less yes. traveled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you don't usually like stay on the trails or 
do you stay are you because i mean you know how sometimes when you go hiking there's like trails that are like very obvious like this is where you should go and then there's like sometimes some trails where it's like some people go that way but not everyone so it's not as i mean yeah it but it also depends where you're talking about hiking because where i used to live in suburban chicago mm-hmm. there are forest preserves with paved paths Right. But it's not like you're going to off-road hike and start, you know, <laughs> bouldering, climbing rocks and That's making true. your way through brush. That's true. And then, like, if even if you go off the beaten path, there's eventually you'll come out to, like, another street or another city or whatever. Um, eventually you'll be in someone's backyard. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, I am one of those people where I stay on the path for sure, mostly because whenever I do go hiking, like when I went hiking in Maine, I didn't know the area. Mm-hmm. The maps were hard to read, so I just stay on the trail. And it gets dark like much faster than you think when you were hiking in the mountains because yeah. you can't see the sun. Even if sun, even if sunset is not for another two hours, it hid behind a mountain. Yeah, that's true. So it's going to yep. get dark, and then you're screwed. So, so the I, stick the the, 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 I stick on the beaten path. Okay. All right. Well, I usually do too. My reasoning is more driven by the fact that I know that if I get lost, I won't be able to like have my dinner or, (laughs) or eat food or be comfortable. (laughs) So are you talking about like, you won't get back to your car for like that granola bar and you've got a show (laughs) that you're trying to catch at six 30 or you're afraid of dying in the elements? (laughs) Nah, not really afraid of dying. I'm afraid of missing a meal. (laughs) Okay. Which is horrible. But yeah, because it's like I'm always so intrigued and I want, I want so bad to like go off the beaten path and like explore. And, but I'm like so terrified of getting lost and like, and, and that like that panic of like when it is getting dark and you're like, oh my God, I'm nowhere near like where I need to go to, to go back. <laughs> you know, backpacks exist and so does trail mix. You can bring food yeah, with you. Yeah, but they make my back sweaty. I mean, if you're not sweating during a hike, you're just walking in nature. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah, but speaking of hikers, like the highest rates of lost people is hikers by 48%. The reason they get lost the most is because they go off the beaten path. Like what other type of people get lost? Like bus drivers? Are we talking about mall security? I'm, I was like, in my head, it was like um, boaters because it's also like a, a vast area where you don't always have a landmark or like little signs to tell you where to go, you know? Okay, so exploration, recreation people. Uh, yes. Oh, that's a great way of putting it. Exploration, recreation. What is considered lost? I mean, you can get lost for like two minutes and then you come across the trail. <laughs> um, Does that count as lost? No, the, the statistic 50, I was... Almost 50% is insane. <laughs> what they considered lost in the thing that I was reading is when they have to like send out a search party. Okay, that makes much more descriptive sense. And that is huge. Yes. 48%, almost one in two. That means if we both went hiking enough, uh-huh. one of us, we'd need authorities to come and search for our bodies. <laughs> I'd be very survivor man. I'd be in like loin loincloth, like trying to hunt for rabbits, you know? <laughs> yeah. Quarter of the mile down the way, there's like a white family barbecuing. Oh my God. <laughs> with a trampoline in the backyard. <laughs> that would be so upsetting. I'd be wanting to like kick myself. <laughs> well, so be careful when you go hiking. Yes. And definitely keep in mind the whole darkness thing, because that's one of the listed as one of the main reasons that people get lost is because it gets darker sooner than they think. They're like, they don't start heading back soon yeah, enough. You got to be knowledgeable about what you're doing out in the elements and out in nature. Yep. Yep. And 
one of the parts that was funny was like um some of the reasons that people get lost is because they fall <laughs> and they like roll away from <laughs> oh yeah you're disoriented <laughs> If you take a tumble, yeah, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm in a new location now." <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> but as you take a tumble, <laughs> and falling not- <laughs> can be funny as long as you know someone doesn't get really injured. Like the, I don't know if you've ever seen Little House on the Prairie, the TV show. No, but I, I've heard of it. In the opening credits, the little girl, she's running down a hill, falls on her face, and I laugh every time. <laughs> Why would they put that in the Because it's so hilarious. They're like, we have money here. And they know people like me. They just laugh at it. <laughs> Each time. <laughs> would I ever have talked about Little House on the Prairie if it wasn't for a girl falling on her face? Probably not. So that's free advertisement. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say like one, one little like really super sad part about is, is fatalities. Um, and in like in Yosemite Park, for example, 158 people per year die from being lost in the wilderness. And I'm just like, that's a lot of people <laughs> dying just because they got lost. And 1,396 of those lost in Yosemite are found injured. So scary. And you don't really think about this when you go go hiking and stuff. But yeah, just I guess stay on your map. <laughs> so yeah, it turns out 48% of hikers... Um, will get lost. And in the, on the other wet, wetter side of that is 21% of boaters will get lost. You know, that actually surprises me because, like you said, there's no directions in the ocean. Were you expecting more? Yes, absolutely. I, I if would people agree. Wa- if one in two people walking around <laughs> could, on a path could get lost, like I would assume boaters who aren't paying attention to all their their gadgets and their instruments uh-huh. on the boat could just easily get lost. It's just so vast, the ocean. Yeah, exactly. The ocean is so vast. And uh, you didn't even set this up, but that perfectly segues into what I wanted to talk about next. Yeah, what, what is it? What is it? Everyone has heard of Finding Nemo, the lovable Disney Pixar oh, film. Yep. Sarah, guess which year that came out? Finding Nemo, uh, 2004? 2003. Ooh, I was close. Either way, good guess. Jesus Cristo, are we old? That movie is 17 years old. <laughs> that's, a, that's like a whole high school student. <laughs> Finding Nemo's runtime is an hour and 40 minutes, but Finding Point Nemo is going to take you drastically longer than that. Have you ever heard of Point Nemo? No. Named after the fictional character Captain Nemo in Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, okay. Point Nemo is... A point of inaccessibility, which is a geographical term marking a location that is most challenging to reach. Oh, whoa. For example, a point of inaccessibility is like the third floor of my house because it's got a lot of stairs <laughs> and thus very challenging to reach. <laughs> That's a very good example. I could definitely picture it. <laughs> Another example is the back of my fridge where bags of spinach go to die. <laughs> Inaccessible because I've got yogurts and beef lo mein and Mountain Dew Code Reds right up front and in the way. But Point Nemo is the oceanic pole of inaccessibility, a.k.a. the spot on Earth that is furthest away from land. It's in the Pacific Ocean. So imagine South America go all the way to the bottom of Chile Mm -hmm. and then head west by a lot. (laughs) Whoa. It is just a, a set of coordinates in the ocean. You can Google them if you really wanted to know the exact coordinates. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing there. At Point just Nemo. Like my future. 
There's nothing there. <laughs> oh, ouch, kabibbles. <laughs> At Point Nemo for 2,688 kilometers or 1,670 miles in every direction, there is no land, not a single <gasps> island. Oh my gosh, that sounds so freaky. Like, is there a bunch of shipwrecks at that area? No, because there is nothing there. There's like nothing for 2,000 miles. So shipping, they're not really going to go. Not big shipping routes. Oh, I see. Okay. So for reference, that distance is longer than if you were to drive from Miami to Boston. Oh. Also longer than driving from Los Angeles to Houston. Oh my gosh. Just imagine yeah, that's, all that distance. That's so much. Water. So much. <laughs> For our Europeans, it's longer than driving from Madrid to Berlin and longer than the distance from Luxembourg to Moscow. Oh my goodness. And it's just oh a spot goodness. of water in the middle of water, you know, <laughs> for 1,700 miles in every direction. Yeah. Oh my God. It is. It, it feels so freaky knowing that there's a place on earth like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting the heebie-jeebies just thinking about how remote it is. Only water, mm-hmm. no rescue for days, if not weeks. Oof. If you if you even get found. I wouldn't even want to be 1,700 miles away from land in a luxury $20 million yacht, let alone any type of boat. <laughs> and hashtag fun fact Friday, Nemo means no one or nobody in Latin. So obviously there's nobody there. So it's perfectly named. Perfectly named. I mean, there's no reason to go to Point Nemo since you're going to be so far away from everything. But also you might not want to go there because space agencies actually use that area of the ocean as a dumping ground for decommissioned spacecraft when re-entering Earth. Excuse me? Well, you know, sometimes instead of keeping something up in space, they bring it back to Earth so that it burns up in the atmosphere. Oh. Did you not know that? Nope. You never heard of that? (laughs) No. <laughs> yeah, instead of having a, a huge thing of space junk up there, they will purposely have it come back into Earth's atmosphere, which, you know, usually burns up. Uh-huh, because they're coming down so fast. Exactly. Sometimes stuff does not. And so in case, you know, something survives re-entry through the atmosphere, mm-hmm. so they use Point Nemo as a dumping ground because no one, literally no one's there and it's not a shipping route. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's actually kind of horrible. They're basically just, I mean, I'm sure there's not like tons and tons of it, but they're still dumping their garbage in the ocean. That makes me a little pissed. (laughs) The space agencies, they pretty much say that it will eventually become an environment for sea life. Like corals, like they're making a coral reef. (laughs) Or, you know, or yeah, like or fish will eventually move into it. So it's not as bad as like literally dumping in garbage and human feces and plastic bags and waste. I guess that's one way of looking at it. The last thing I wanted to say, another fun fact Friday, is if you were at Point Nemo sitting there in the middle of the ocean, the nearest humans would be anyone orbiting in the International Space Station because the ISS orbits 250 miles above Earth. And like I said, land is 1,700 miles away. (gasps) Whoa, that's bizarre. So they would be the closest humans. That is insane. That just goes and shows how much empty space there is in the Pacific Ocean. Oi, yes, there is. 5% of the seafloor is mapped. Only 5%. Can you believe that? But why do we ma- need to map the seafloor? I don't know. So we can know where the where to put more ships and stuff and metal. <laughs> so five, only 5% of the seafloor is mapped. Can you guess what percent of space of the, vis- of the visible universe has been explored 
I would say it's like 0.0001%. It is minuscule. It's like basically nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not nothing compared to that. That's a very, very, like almost nothing. Um, but it's a little bit more than I thought, actually. So there must have been a lot of progre- progress in the last several decades. So now it's up to 4%. Wow, that is much more than I thought. Haven't they said that there's more galaxies in the universe than grains of sand on every beach on Earth? Uh-huh. So yep. how have we explored 4% of that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> Next product. Everyone's heard of Atlantis, but have have you heard of Antilia, Sarah? The name sounds familiar, but I have no clue what that is. It is a phantom island in the Atlantic Ocean. Ooh. What, what do you mean by phantom? Like people have seen it or not seen it or they well, think they've seen it? It's along the lines of Atlantis. Um, first, let me tell you how I came across it because there's another Antilia that I need to mm-hmm. discuss as well. So recently, the story has come out about how Vladimir Putin has built a massive $1 billion palace complex. Whoa. But he's not even the first guy to do it. A few years back, there was a story of an Indian businessman who built a skyscraper as a personal residence for him and his family of five that cost even more. Oh my God, a sky, an entire skyscraper. I don't even know what, what I would do with like a 20 room mansion, let alone that many floors. Yeah. Let me restate that. An Indian businessman built a literal skyscraper as his home for his family of five, and it cost literally $2 billion. How absolutely disgusting. You know what? Today, BS stands for billionaires suck. <laughs> And that building has the name Antilia. Oh. So I heard the story about Putin. Then I remembered the story about the skyscraper residence that Mm -hmm. it was named Antilia. And I don't know why they chose the name Antilia, but Antilia Mm -hmm. is the name of a phantom island. But first, let me tell you, this skyscraper residence of India's richest man, 27 stories, three helipads, 400,000 square feet, 168 car garage, nine elevators, a movie theater that seats 50, and it has enough space inside for a staff of 600 people. What the hell? And as of 2020, it is now worth $2.2 billion, and it's the second most valuable residential property after Buckingham Palace. Oh my god. And so I have no idea why he named it after Antilia, but the island which I'd never heard of before. I'd only heard of Atlantis. It originated from an Iberian legend where bishops escaped um, the Muslim conquest of Hispania in 714. Like, apparently they sailed westward into the Atlantic Ocean and landed Mm -hmm. on the island. Okay. Um, Antilia is thought to derive from the Portuguese Ante Ilia, which stands for, like, opposite island, because on maps it appeared opposite to that of Portugal. And the first time it appeared on a map was in 1424 in this comically large, like perfectly rectangle shape. (laughs) Um, But in 1492, when the Atlantic Ocean became more accurately mapped, Antilia gradually disappeared when they realized nothing was there. Oh, okay. But it lent its name to the Antilles, which are the islands in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. The greater Antilles, the lesser Antilles. Yeah. Antilia, Antilles, Spanish Antilles, all that. <laughs> My Spanish Aunt Tilly. <laughs> uh, there are actually so many phantom islands. There's an entire Wikipedia page of them. Oh, 
which oh I my, thought and was, this is like the that's crazy because it's like the first time i've heard of, of phantom islands in general yeah some were made up on purpose uh, like one of them a guy made it up uh, an island because he wanted to get more fundings for exploration <laughs> he's like oh yeah there's uh i thought i saw this island when we were off in our boat i just need you know a hundred thousand more dollars to go about there and check and see if there's any gold on it or whatever oh okay okay i could see that trickery working for him <laughs> but most of these phantom islands are legend or lore or just bad map making like well <laughs> all i saw was water for so long here there has to be some land somewhere <laughs> and it's the year 1500 so no one is going to know any different so let me drop some coffee on this parchment outline that droplet <laughs> of splatter voila new island <laughs> that's very tricky and i can definitely see them be doing that like i think everyone at one point has slacked off in their work and i guess that would be the version of slacking off as a cartographer just completely making it up oh and by the way i'm going to name it after this hot chick i'm trying to get with (laughs) and impress her (laughs) so i just thought that was a really weird and interesting connection between a disgusting display of wealth (laughs) as a skyscraper residence and Mm -hmm. a phantom island who would have ever guessed Next product. I now declare in the in the sense of discoveries, I declare it now game time. So in our game today, there are seven questions and they kind of have to do with explorations. And what was the BS for today? Below seas and beyond space. Below seas and beyond space. And Bobby Stockholm and billionaires suck. <laughs> We've had a lot of BS today. <laughs> I love it when there's so much BS. It gives us a purpose. (laughs) All right. So the first question is more of um, like a discussion kind of thing or or like a your point of view. But but if you if you say the same thing, the same answer that I did with like the same reasonings, then you get a point. This is my opinion. But to get a point, it has to be correct opinion in your view. Or something no, you not, agree not necessarily with. correct. It just like you just get a point because it would happen to be the same one that I would choose, and for a reason like close to it. Well, see now this is different because to get the point is going to be might be saying something different than what I truly believe. Oh, I would say just go with what you truly believe. Don't try and play me. <laughs> this is the only question this uh, that's like this, by the way. Okay. All right. So the first question is, where would you rather get lost, space or the ocean? In the ocean, you always have the chance of, you know, catching a migratory bird or fishing. So you could sustain yourself and you always have the chance of like an oil ship or a cruise ship or a a freighter or a shipment from China, (laughs) you know, finding you. But in space... There's no one coming for you. There's no food. You're stuck with what you have and you can't stop or control your movement. Okay. Uh, so I picked space. Really? And yes. And I picked space because it's like in my in my mind, it, there was a higher chance of being rescued by Elon Musk or other aliens. Well, that's just flat out wrong. So I'm taking my point and running. <laughs> <laughs> um well no don't take a point no but you know what you you participated you played there's along. no chance you'd be rescued by aliens question number two lost in space is a movie 
Which Friends character was in the cast of Lost in Space? David Schwimmer. It was actually Matt LeBlanc, who plays Joey on Friends, who was in Lost in Space. What year did it come out? 1998. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing the movie, actually, I think just because he was in it. I was like, what? Okay. Moving on. Next question. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right. Next question. Question number three. Uh, Another movie. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which you mentioned earlier. Oh my God, which I talked about. I know. I was like, oh, that's so cool. (laughs) So I'm going to list four years. Which year was there not a movie released? Because there's four, no, sorry, there's three different versions of this movie. Tell me which year is not a year that they released a version of this movie. 1916, 1923, 1997, or 1954? I know Hollywood likes to reuse the idea, but the fact that there is only seven years between 1916 and 1923, that seems kind of recent. However, they could have remade it once they got like talkies. Are we? Mm -hmm. When did movies get audio? Was it 1923? (laughs) I am going to say 23. I think that is too soon after 1916 whereas 54 and 97 have good spacing so 1923 20,000 leagues under the sea did not come out i really like your logic on that because you are correct you are correct yeah yeah 1923 that was a made-up year (laughs) hell yeah i was shocked to know it was made so many times i was like jesus (laughs) there's billions of other scripts out there people (laughs) an old enough story that they probably don't have to buy the rights it's just public domain perhaps oh i could see if it'd be old enough for that all right, uh, question number four. In 2020, there were several new species found. In the Himalayas, there was a snake found. Can you tell me, after what Harry Potter character was this new species of snake named after? Snape. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the answer? No. It's just so funny that... <laughs> just so funny that you just started rattling off names i'm gonna give you a list oh okay (laughs) and and then then when you said snape it's like snape the snake (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh that's just as good as this first option that you have um so it's a it's a pit viper, so like whatever name's got to be like pit viper. So is it Harry Pit Viper, <laughs> Voldemort Pit Viper, Neville Pit Viper, Salazar Pit Viper, or Tom Riddle Pit Viper? Well, it has to be Salazar because Salazar Slytherin is a snake. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, you're right. I'm <laughs> I should have gone with with Snape. <laughs> So yeah, good job. <laughs> good. Thank you. But yeah, but Salazar tried was to not... trip me up with the Harry Potter knowledge. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I couldn't remember. You don't really talk about it too often, so I didn't know if you were like, if like you read it, but you weren't like too into it. You know, I'm not a dweebo. I can't oh. name like <laughs> how old Salazar was when he went to Hogwarts and why he's named after a house. But oh, okay, I, well he I... well Salazar Slytherin was one of the creators of the of the school oh okay see i didn't even know that you're the nerd (laughs) 
thoughts now. I just happen to love it a lot. <laughs> you know what I should have put in here? Nagini, because that's the name of Voldemort's snake. Ooh. Yeah, that would have that would have really thrown me off. That would have been good. But you didn't, Damn so it. No. You, you lose, I win. Next question. Snape the snake or Harry Pitt very <laughs> Harry Pitt Viper. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's why. That's why <laughs> that I was totally like a... flew over my head. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Question number five. So the last unknown major landmass to be discovered was in 1913. Can you tell me what kind of land was it? Desert. Desert. <laughs> desert. An island. Was it Arctic or was it like a wetland? Desert and wetlands are probably connected to the continent. So... They've probably been known about or people have like stumbled across them. However, you can't just stumble. I feel like 1913 is when they did a lot of exploring of the Arctic regions. So I'm going to say it's Arct- it's some Arctic area that no one ever wanted to go to in the first place. And that's why it went so long without being found. Bobby, you are right. It's a polar desert off the coast of Siberia. And it was fully explored in 1930. Okay, so if I said desert, that also would have been correct. <laughs> well, no, because a desert is hot. No, nope. the technical. I didn't say polar. You, you said you no. said a polar desert. I did. A te- the technical definition of a desert has nothing to do with temperature. Mm-hmm. It has to do with rainfall. Antarctica oh. is the world's largest desert because it has so <gasps> so little re- precipitation, so little rainfall. Really, I feel yeah. like I feel like the world needs to know this. I I don't think enough people know <laughs> know this. Well, it's just. <laughs> Like our entire show, it's one of those things like, oh, interesting. And then you don't use it or you don't have to bring it up. (laughs) Well, there's something I didn't know that I needed to know that I probably won't need to know anymore. (laughs) So it was a polar desert. Where was it located? Off the coast of Siberia. And the actual name is Severnaya Zemlya. That sounds Siberian to me. (laughs) So it is a case of it's so cold, no one wanted to go there. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Makes sense to me. Yep. Question number six. So, okay. Elon Musk had a kid not too long ago. And if anyone knows, he's like the CEO of, no, not Space Force, um, SpaceX. So anyway, he had a kid not too long ago with one of your favorite musical artists, I wouldn't say favorite, but I do like her stuff. She's weird. Oh, okay. But now that she's (laughs) procreated with Elon Musk, she goes Mm -hmm. down to my eyes. (laughs) <laughs> she went down a few pegs and <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all right so they named their child something obviously galaxy star starry or university are you gonna ask <laughs> me what the name, name is, is that i'm the gonna question? ask yeah mm-hmm. it's like yep. x a e with the that scandinavian letter that is connected 12 Ugh. i didn't even give you the choices it's <laughs> you're not allowed to know this Oh, okay sorry let's hear the choices though because I, you put effort and work into creating them so i want to hear them part two which one of these choices is the farthest galaxy that has been discovered up to today so it's gn z11 sr71 cygnus a i thought cygnus so i know cygnus is the scientific name for a swan and i feel like it's a mm-hmm. constellation so i don't know if it's a galaxy i feel like sr71 sounds like a galaxy as opposed to gnz11 
So I'm going to go with SR-71. SR-71. Okay. So it is not that one. It is GNZ-11 or 1-1. It's the furthest galaxy we found. Yep. Up to up to two, in 2020, I think. December 2020. Well, how far away is it? Oh boy. <laughs> you didn't you don't know? No. I didn't go that in depth. <laughs> but hold on, I it can It just seemed like look naturally if you're telling me something's that far away, you'd find out <laughs> how far away it is. Um oh my gosh, it has so much other information. Oh, whoa, it's 9.8 billion parsecs or 32 billion light years. Wow. 30 we can see We've discovered something 32 billion light years away. Yeah. And the way that they like kind of mapped it is because of some of like the chemical things or gases that it was leaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it. <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah, it's found in the, in the constellation Ursa Major. Nice. Which is a bear. Aw. <laughs> Neat. And then SR-71, <laughs> where did you come up with that? And SR seventy one is a rocket, and it's known. It's like su- supposed to be really, really fast, but nonviolent. Okay, nice. All right. So, last question. We're gonna see how much of middle school you information you remember. I blocked out most of it. <laughs> okay. So, which of the following is not a famous explorer? James Cook, Francis Drake, Hernan Cortes, Walter Raleigh, and John Cabot. Francis Drake. That name sounds really familiar. I have no idea what that is. And then James Cook. I've never even heard of Raleigh or Cabot, so they can't be that important. They can't have discovered anything that big of a deal. (laughs) Did James Cook find Australia? You know what? I'm For some reason, I'm leaning towards Cabot just because I've never heard that name before in my life, so I'm going to say that because I have no idea. James Cabot. All right. Well, that was a trick question. They are all in the top 10 list of famous explorers. How are they the most famous? Did they find the most things? The most important <laughs> things? Okay, so John Cabot was a Venetian explorer. Yep, he claimed Canada for England, and he w- and he thought he had found Asia, but he did not. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry to all Canadians if they knew that and were screaming yes. <laughs> at me. Well, okay, um, so I'm kind of in the same boat there, and this is why I feel like our education system completely failed us. Um I was like, what name is that? John Cabot? I was like, nah. And so I looked him up because I was like, this sounds like a photographer or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to learn who found Canada. <laughs> Sorry, but it's not important in my but education. Man. That's not going to come up. I'm not going to go on Canadian Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or Canadian Jeopardy. But they're your, your neighbors to the north. We're literally connected. So I mean, I could see we're that. We're connected to Mexico, and I don't know who found Mexico. No one. It was already there. No, just kidding. <laughs> and same thing for Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the native peoples that lived there found it first. <laughs> it's like we weren't lost. <laughs> just how Columbus, you know, basically they say claimed found America and thought it was uh-huh. India. This Cabot guy found area further north and thought it was yes. also asia man those dudes are so <laughs> they dumb. were so turned around man <laughs> they were so wrong so off yep let me discover how many points i got nah. <laughs> that's a good one you get five out of seven heck yeah 
yeah so that's you did very well very well well thanks for that game which expanded our horizons of knowledge (laughs) as these explorers expanded our literal horizons of land (laughs) if you wanted to reach out to us or view the jokes and memes and the incredible photoshops i create our instagram is at bs with bs podcast and since there's always someone defending billionaires if you want to try that with me and try and justify a $2 billion house. Let's get angry at each other over Twitter. <laughs> yes, have a Twitter rant. Our handle there is also at BS with BS podcast. Thank you for listening and discovering that this is an awesome podcast and that you will continue to love it. We hope you come back next week and BS can stand for be supportive and tell a friend to check out our show. Yeah. And on that note, I'm Bobby. And I'm Sarah. And this has been some BS.